Whoops, whoops, whoops. Wrong audio, guys. Wrong audio. Here we go. I, th I think I found the better one. Here we go. As Benucci said best, it is indeed coming to Rome. Welcome to another episode of the Final Whistle Sports Pod. We're going to be talking some Euro final action. We're also going to talk about the Copa America. After we discuss that, we're going to you know get into the NIL policy that was passed for NCAA athletes. What our thoughts are on that you know policy being made. So without further ado, we're going to start off with the Euro. The final was between England, who they thought was going to come home. Football did not come home. It indeed, instead, went to Rome, to the Italians. Game on the penalties. Now, going into the tournament, I honestly, I did not see this final taking place. You know, I didn't see Italy and England making it this far. I know Italy, they failed to make the 2018 World Cup. And I honestly, to be honest, I'm an Italian fan. I didn't really know the team that well. I didn't really know who's on it and, like, what they're capable of doing. And England as well, you know, they have some solid, solid players. But, I, I mean, I didn't see them making it really, really far. But, I mean, we saw once the tournament started, especially with Italy from the group stage from the first game, that they were going to be a force to be reckoned with. You know, Italy, they're normally a team that's very, very, very good defensively. And, you know, really just gets those, you know, 1-0 wins, you know, doesn't give up a goal and gets a goal in the game. But this Italy team is a little different. Yes, they're still very, very good at defending. Obviously, that's their style of play for, you know, many, many years, tens upon tens of tens of years. But this team is a little different. This Italian team had a very, very solid attack and offensive threat. I mean, you got Chiesa, who's a huge threat, Insigne, in the midfield, you got Jorginho and Verratti. And Spinozola, the left back, who unfortunately tore his Achilles in the knockout stages. But he was also attacking off the left back uh, side of the field. And, you know, this Italian team is definitely different than ones we've seen in the past. They're definitely very, very good attacking. And obviously defensively, they're very good. You know, they have the two commanders, uh, Benucci and Cellini, in the back. And those guys are one of the best center back duos in the world and probably of all time. So, you know, this just was a great team. And not to mention, too, Donnarumma, you know, 22 years old, you know, following the footsteps of John Luigi Buffon, you know, Italian great, who's represented Italy for what seems to be at least like 20 years. And Donnarumma steps into his first, you know, major tournament with Italy and absolutely balls out. And we saw that with, uh, you know, him winning player of the tournament after the final. I feel like that was very deserved. You know, Donnarumma kept Italy in a lot of games, especially against Spain and Belgium. They, they received a lot of shots, and he was able to make phenomenal saves. And he was also able to win two penalty kick shootouts against Spain in the semifinal and England in the final. So, you know, he was a very big factor in his team. And the crazy thing is he's only 22, and he's only going to get better. And he's going to be with this Italian side for a very long time. Now, to talk about the Italian manager, Mancini, he coached a great tournament. Again, I didn't really know him that well. But, you know, he's done great things in Italy since taking over. You know, he's gone 34 straight games of being unbeaten. So they haven't lost a game. They've tied a couple qualifiers and whatnot. But they haven't lost under Mancini, which is very, very impressive. Because, you know, in the course of 34 games, you got to think about it like this. In a, in a, you know, domestic league season, you know, teams play, you know, 36 to, you know, 38 games. That's like going almost the whole season without losing a game. That's very, very hard. And, you know, at the national team level, it's even more difficult to do this because you don't have as much time to 
you know, train with your players. You know, you got tiny, you know, one week, two week friendly windows. And then, you know, you got these major tournaments and have about, you know, a month to really prepare. It's not like a club where you have, you know, the whole entire year to, you know, prepare the guys and whatnot. And, you know, it's, you don't have a lot of time to, you know, and understand your talent and find your starting laps. So the fact that he's gone 34 games completely unbeaten as manager of Italy, that is very, very, very impressive. Now, we're going to switch sides and go to England now. You know, England started the final very, very well. I mean, in the second minute, they scored an absolute banger from Luke Shaw. You know, great cross into the box, great volley. You know, growing up, kids, that's exactly how you're taught to take a volley. You know, aim it towards the post, aim for that side netting, and he did, and he scored a goal. And, you know, a lot of people weren't really expecting that. You know, it was a little bit of a surprise. But, you know, England got that first start. But the problem was that was it for England. They couldn't do anything else the rest of the game. It seemed, you know, right after they scored that goal, they wanted to park the bus mode, which, you know, for almost, you know, 90 minutes and then plus extra time, that's not really a strategy for success. And, you know, the parking the bus, you know, it's just, it's good. I think a team can do it, you know, for 30 minutes, you know, the last half hour of a game, it's very possible. But if you're doing it for practically the whole game, it's very, very hard to, you know, get a good result. And, you know, Italy completely dominated after they gave up that goal. They had so much possession. Um, you know, they're creating opportunities. We're not necessarily scoring them, but they're creating a lot of opportunities. And, you know, it really showed, you know, the game, honestly, it really should not have went to penalties. You know, Italy has so many opportunities to score, so much possession, and they just they couldn't get enough goals. You know, Benucci came in clutch with his goal, but, you know, Italy had to do better there. You know, they definitely shouldn't have let the game go into, you know, extra time and eventually penalties. But I guess from a fan perspective, watching the game, if you're a neutral or, you know, a fan of either team, it definitely makes it more entertaining to go an extra time and see more, you know, see some more soccer. Now, one question I have, English managers, Southgate, was, you know, subbing on Rashford and Sancho towards the end of extra time where they're completely cold. Now, I get it. He made that sub cause, because he wanted him, wanted those players to take penalties. And, you know, they're great offensive talents, and I'm sure they can take great penalties. But it's hard to really get in the mode of a game and put the pressure on a player's shoulders that hasn't really that just wasn't really in the game, never got into the groove of the game, and all of a sudden they got to score. You know, they're, they're they're completely cold. It's just a hard dynamic to really you know tr- expect them to score. And you know, also shame on the English you know veteran players. You know, Jordan Henderson and uh, Raheem Sterling. You know, these are like veteran guys, leaders on this team. They really left, they had no courage to take the penalties, and they left it to a bunch of young boys. You know, he had Saka, 18-year-old, taking the fifth penalty, and he had Rashford and Sancho, who are also fairly young players as well. They put all the faith and all that pressure on these young guys who are just inexperienced. They haven't been in this moment. They're phenomenal players, but they just, they haven't been in this moment yet. And, you know, it's a lot to ask of someone, especially their age. And, you know, even with if they were to keep, you know, their, their five shooters, they definitely should have switched the order. I wouldn't have put an 18-year-old Saka, who is literally the youngest player on your, no, second youngest player on your whole entire team, to make the fifth penalty. Like that's just so much pressure. You know, I would have made you know let you know your number nine Harry Kane take that penalty. He's you know much more experienced guy. He understands the moment. He's been in a bunch of moments, and you know he he's just that good of a player. Like I don't know. I just I don't know why they put that pressure on that kid. I know they probably had a lot of faith in him to score. And unfortunately, he didn't. But 
it was just that's just as a coach you got to be better than that and you know he's always going to be judged by that now obviously if rashford and sancho and saka they all scored their goals we wouldn't be talking you know it would have been fine we would have applauded southgate and been like yeah great decision good work but you just gotta live with the consequences and you know the, there's always a risk to all the actions you take and unfortunately it didn't work out for southgate in england which you know it's a little upsetting to see but I mean, listen. It's a young team. They got young players. They're gonna, you know, they're they're gonna be able to go at it again in the future, both individually these players with their clubs, and maybe at international level at future World Cups and Euros. Alrighty. Next up, we're gonna talk some Copa America final, and you know, the final had two teams. You know, had Argentina and Brazil, and I felt like there was a matchup that we definitely could should have seen coming. You know, Argentina and Brazil have definitely dominated South American soccer for 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 many 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 decades and you know both these teams right now i say they're the top two in south america so it's definitely a fair matchup to take place um you know going to the game i really felt brazil was gonna win you know i just felt that brazil had better players you know in each position not that argentina wasn't good i, I know argentina is very very good team but i just felt like brazil had a little bit more talent they're in their home country and i felt like that was going to give them the edge in this game unfortunately you know we've seen the results I was wrong. Um, you know, Argentina had a phenomenal game. You know, I'm very, very happy for Messi. You know, he definitely deserved to finally win a trophy with Argentina. He's gone through so much with them. And, you know, he's, he's gotten to four total finals with Argentina, three Copa America ones, and a World Cup final in 2014. And they just weren't able to get it done. And we had, saw Messi, I believe, in 2016 after he lost a Copa America and penalties against Chile. He was seemed like he was all done with the national team. And you know what? I don't blame him. You know, that's a lot of frustration. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, imagine going to one final and losing. That's tough. That's just something that's always going to sit in your stomach and in your heart. It's just a feeling that, you know, it's like a what-if moment. And to have that happen four times, that had to be a lot on Messi. That really did. I mean... That was a huge load. Now I'm happy he ended up changing his mind and going back because, you know, he's one of the best players ever. And I felt like, you know, he was still young and he still had so much more to, you know, show and to prove with, you know, Argentina. And I'm very happy that he was able to get this result and win the Copa America this year. You know, he's a player that totally deserved it, you know, all-time great. And now, you know, no one can take that back from him. No one can say he didn't win it with Argentina. He was able to win a Copa America. And in a Ronaldo, Messi comparison, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, Ronaldo's better. He was able to win that Euro at Portugal. But now, you know, it's kind of even now. Messi was able to win a Copa America Argentina. Ronaldo's able to win a Euro at Portugal. So, you know, that's kind of even, and this is great for Messi. But, you know, the irony of this game is, like, all the other finals that Messi played in, he had phenomenal games, but his supporting cast just wasn't there. They just underperformed by a lot. But in this final, let's be honest, Messi didn't have the best of games. He missed that sitter towards the end of the game to ice it. But his supporting cast played insanely well. And I know I feel like Di Maria should get so much more credit. I know everyone's talking about Messi winning up for Argentina, and yes, he had a phenomenal tournament. You know, he finished with four goals and five assists. You know, he definitely had a great tournament for Argentina, and he definitely played an impact in them winning, you know, the whole thing. But I think Di Maria needs to show, get some more love towards him because he was the one that actually scored the goal that won them the game. You know, if he didn't score that goal, 
It could have been 0-0, went extra time. And who knows, Brazil could have won. Maybe Argentina still would have won. It could have went the penalties where it could go either way. So there's no really way to really know. And so Di Maria needs to get a lot more credit. I feel like his whole career is very underrated. You know, he's always seemed like he's been put in the shadow of like other star players, especially when he was with Real Madrid and Ronaldo was there. You know, everyone talked about Ronaldo, but no one really gave Di Maria the love he deserves. You know, he's much older now, but he's still one of the best players that we've seen. He's a phenomenal winger, great in attack, and is very clinical with his finishing. And we got to give Di Maria a lot more credit than he's gotten. Finally, we're going to discuss the NIL policy being approved for college athletes. Now, this was approved a couple weeks ago, and now college athletes can benefit off of their name, their image, and their likeness. I love this rule being passed. You know, it's a great move. It's very fair towards the players because, you know, all these schools, especially the big ones, you know, like your Dukes, your North Carolinas, your Ohio State, your Alabama, your, uh, you know, your UCLA's, your Texas A&M's, your Florida's, your Florida State's, all these big major schools, your LSU's, all these big major schools, they're benefiting off of their athletes, but the athletes aren't seeing anything in return, which I believe was very, very unfair. And I feel like there had to be a way for athletes to be compensated. I know a lot of them got full rides to school, but it's like working a job and just not getting paid for it, but your company gets the benefit from it. And that's not really fair. And so, obviously, there's a lot of conversation about this, and many people thought that, you know, the school themselves should pay the athletes. But then there became a thing where it was like, wait, how do you, like, how do you base the athletes getting paid? Is every athlete from every sport in college getting paid exactly the same? Are you going to pay others more, other athletes in other sports more than, you know, other, you know, sports? And if the, the other levels from D1, D2, D3, JUCO, and NAIA, like, are you going to pay them all the same? Are you going to make it different? And I feel like that was just too much to, like, find a set line because there definitely wouldn't have been something unfair past. And I feel like this policy was a perfect solution because, listen, the school is out of their hands. The school is not going to pay them. But, like, outside companies will be able to. And I feel like, you know, this kind of stuff has been happening. It's, it's been illegal, but it's definitely been happening from, you know, brands and whatnot. I mean, we've seen stuff with Adidas and with Louisville and you know much other companies and you know it's it's just it's it's something that needed to be passed because you know all these athletes these college athletes they have so much of a time commitment competing in their sport year-round that they legit physically do not have time to withhold a job between you know, academic work you know morning lifts practice games film like that's so much on their plate there's no way they could you know get a job and you know you need money like you need to have money it doesn't matter where you are you need to have money so i feel like this is a fair thing to be passed and it also helps you know a lot of times in colleges and even with, with recruitment into college you know some athletes that end up getting suspended fined losing eligibility all because they just didn't know the rules and some person threw money at them and they saw the money and some of these people you know they came from know humble backgrounds where you know maybe they didn't have the most of money and they had the money up front in their hands and you know they wanted to help their families and it made it hard for them to you know say no and then also it's like they might not even know the rules better because you know not 
not everyone really like educates a lot of athletes on you know what the rules are with recruiting with being in college and whatnot and you know it's it'd be sad to see a kid you know student athlete lose their eligibility just because they didn't know the rules and they're innocently just trying to get money so you know i'm happy this policy was passed it's definitely fair and it's about time and you know, i'm looking forward to see what deals it makes i mean we're seeing barstool sports they're taking an approach of sponsoring all sorts of athletes and they're not necessarily the mainstream you know big time basketball and football athletes but just all sorts of athletes at all sorts of you know division levels and whatnot and i think that's really cool to see you know because it gives these guys an opportunities that you know probably won't make it professional to make some money you know enjoy their time you know playing at a collegiate level because it is very impressive and not that many are people are even able to make it and compete at a college level in sports so to give them the opportunity to make some money and you know be a face of a brand i think that's pretty cool and that can you know definitely help these athletes maybe you know if they're not going to make it professionally you know they team up with this brand while they're in college and maybe they become an employee at the brand you know and i feel like that's something that can really help that that transition from an athlete graduating college and getting into a career because sometimes you see these athletes who maybe didn't take school most very serious you know they ended up not making it pro for whatever reason and now it's like now what they're lost they they're not gonna be a lot make a lot of money they're gonna have to work you know not the greatest of jobs and now you know this might give them an opportunity to you know get a job after they graduate and you know give them a path into a career which i think is very very important now this is going to conclude this episode of the final whistle sports pod i want to thank you guys all for watching if you want to get up-to-date sports news, follow us on Instagram at Final Whistle Sports News. Again, that is at Final Whistle Sports News. We have a bunch of polls where we like to hear your guys' opinion on a variety of moves and news and issues that come out on, in uh, sports. So we would love to hear your feedback and your opinions on, on these things. And again, I just want to thank you guys for taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast. And I hope you have a great day.